What do you know about this new um, PlayStation 4.5 or whatever they're calling it that's coming out? Have they said much about that? It's it's all rumors at the moment. That's the one I'm keeping an eye on though because I haven't bought one yet. Um, I'll be really I'll be really pissed if the VR only works with that. I think that's unlikely. Um, I think they will stick with. Um, they'll they'll stick with allowing it. it will, I think it will work on both, and then it will just be if you've got the four point five version or whatever they call it, um, you'll just get like slightly better graphics or you know whatever it is, frame CPU rates power, or... that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, partly because I think that's that's one of the biggest selling points for consoles is that you buy one and it will work until the end of time. Like no matter how long it's in production. And yeah. games are still being made for it. Every single game that's ever released will always work for it. Yeah, it, it feels like a mistake to me for them to be, if this is in fact true, because the PlayStation got off to the PlayStation Four got off to kind of a, a slow start. There weren't a ton of games, and it's mm. only now it's only now that there's really good franchise worthy games coming out. It seems like, or at least in the last twelve months or so. So to then you know release something that may some games may be exclusive to it already only of a year to a year and a half after the 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 PlayStation 4 takes off seems seems like a mistake to me but whatever yeah i don't i, I don't think that's happening i mean cuz they're already taking pre-orders for the the VR aren't they um and yeah, they're kind of saying you know this will work with the PS4 the current one so i i, I can't see them changing their mind now i mean they've had these huge you know this huge demand for for the yeah. pre-orders it's very unlikely they're going to just uh, you know, release a new one and say, "Oh, sorry, you need to buy a new console." You didn't order one, one uh, VR, did you? No, no, no. I haven't even got a PS4 at the moment. Oh so. God, you know, I always forget what you've got. You've got the the X Bone. Yeah, I've got the X Bone. <laughs> so, all right, and all right. I, I was going to get a PS4 uh, pretty soon for Uncharted Four. Yeah. But um, after seeing these rumors, I'm a bit like, you know what? Maybe I can wait a few more months and see what see what comes out of that. Well, see, that's to me, that's part of the problem, though, because if someone waits and they get a new Xbox, I mean, a new uh, PlayStation, say, in whatever, October or November for four or $500, they're not going to then turn around and spend another $500 on VR. No, that is true. But um, who knows? I guess we'll, I'm hoping we'll, we might get something solid out of uh, Sony at, at E3, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that's right after WWC, I think. Mm. Because my youngest always wants to go to E3. I say, like, sorry, I just got back from WWDC. <laughs> and I don't really know why I would go to E3. You can watch most of it on uh, YouTube or whatever anyway. Absolutely. Should we, uh, should we get on with the show then? Yeah, we should get on with the real show. The real show that talks about whatever. Um, go for it, Rob. This is episode 17 of Ruminate. I am Rob Lewis, and I'm losing my voice a little bit, so I apologize about that. And with me, as always, is John Voorhees. Hi, John. Hey, hey, Rob. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Uh, as I just mentioned there, I'm, I'm getting a little bit uh, losing my voice, so uh, hopefully it doesn't sound too bad. No, you sound fine. I'm a little stuffed up still, too. I'm still fighting off a cold. It's um, I don't know what's going on. Probably the problem is I've been working too hard. That probably sounds about right, John. You've been writing. You have your real jobby job. You're doing yes. other things. So, uh, yeah, I think you need to slow down a little bit. I'm going to slow down a little bit. Um, yes, the, it, I'm going to blame it on the on the, uh, on the the Apple event on the 21st. How about that? Let's blame it on that. That seems like a good idea. It's really, it was the least of my troubles. But in any event, 
So we've got a little bit of follow-up from before, and one of our favorite topics always is talking about Netflix. And uh, I guess Netflix is starting to really clamp down on the UK, and I assume other parts of the world, Europe and whatnot, too, but what do you know? Yeah, so I think the first time we spoke about this a few episodes back, um, there'd been some reports that uh, people in... Uh, some of mainland Europe, Spain and France, places like that, had uh, started seeing messages saying, you're using a VPN, you need to turn it off or you can't access Netflix. Um, and then I guess it was a few days ago, maybe last week, uh, I went to watch something on Netflix, which was using the VPN so I could access US. And I got the message and I kind of just sat there and cried for a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and then I just had to turn the VPN off. I mean, I, I tried a couple of different services as well and it, it it seems like basically what they're doing if you're use if if you're using a vpn and you're in the u.s they're just blocking it or, or you know if if the vpn is in the u.s um they're just blocking you from using netflix at all no oh, so you think they just have like a blacklist of vpn services that are u.s based and and if your your ip um addresses from the uk or somewhere else they block you yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly how they're doing it. Partly because I'm not yeah. sure exactly how VPNs work. Um, because uh, initially, I thought that it was just blanket kind of banning on any VPN, but I'm not sure if they can tell that or not. Um, because I can still use my my work VPN if I'm connected to that. I can still watch Netflix, like UK Netflix. Um, huh. But th- but their help article seems to suggest basically. Uh, there's a little question here. It says, do you use a VPN or proxy for other reasons, such as work or for privacy? And they just say, because there's no reliable way for us to determine if a VPN is being used for legitimate purpose, uh, any VPN will, any VPN you use will prevent you from streaming Netflix. Um, hmm. So even if you use it for, you know, privacy or, you know, I, I think one of the arguments or, or, you know, the points I always see come up in online discussions is uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, US Army and services who are, you know, posted abroad, um, who will be using a, a US VPN, um, they won't be able to access it either. Right. That makes, I mean, it, it, you know, anybody who likes had any kind of job where they were like posted in another country for some extended period of time, but weren't really going to like, you know, sell their house and move overseas um, permanently, I would see that, you know, that could be an issue for them, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. As I said, I mean, that was. Um I think there was a discussion on Reddit and, and there was a few people who, you know, said they were kind of in uh, US army bases in, in Europe and other places around the world. And um, yeah, they, they just couldn't access Netflix anymore. They didn't, they just had no choice but to, but to turn it off basically and not use it. You know, what's kind of interesting to me is that they, they did this, but they, but they, I would have thought maybe that they'd wait until the UK service was a little closer to on par with the US version because from talking to you, it sounds like the UK version of Netflix pales by comparison to the US one. Oh, yeah. I mean, even on just kind of uh, numbers, like the, the numbers I saw banded around were around 10,000 shows and, and movies for the US and the UK has about 3,000. Um, wow. You know, so we're, we're really not getting as much for our money as you guys are. Um, I mean, I will continue to use it because to be honest, even just for the Netflix original shows you know that the money i pay is, is probably worth it but um yeah i mean it, it does seem to be getting slightly better um and, and i think as we said before it's not really netflix that want to stop you from doing this it's the it's the studios that are selling netflix the content right no i understand that i mean and it reminds me a little bit of these websites now like i mean one that comes to mind are all the Condé nast sites like wired where you go there and 
think Wired's one of the ones. You go there, and if you've got an ad blocker turned on, you get this big thing pop up saying, turn off your ad blocker, and we'll let you read read our, our um, website, or you can pay yeah. us like, you know, you can pay us like, I don't know, 20 cents an article or something to have no ads. Have you seen that stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did see that a while ago. Um, and it's actually, it's a little bit weird because even when I've turned my ad blocker off for Wired, like I've whitelisted them, I still see that message sometimes. And I'm guessing that's because of some other Chrome extension I'm running and they think it's an ad blocker. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, and the other weird one that happens, I think it was on Wired. I was reading an article. I was halfway through it. And because their stupid JavaScript was still loading, only then did it pop oh. up the, the ad blocker <laughs> thing. And I just, oh, well, forget it, close the tab and, and moved on with my life. They were doing it for uh, maximum, maximum annoyance, right? Yeah, I mean, it worked. I, I guess I could have paid or I could have just closed the tab and go and read the news elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, we won't talk about ad blockers again, but Let's not. it really it really annoys me, all that stuff. <laughs> Especially when I run, you know, Ghostry and I see the list, and the list is like the length of my entire screen mm. of things that are loading on the page. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they're only trying to make money. Let's not get into it, but <laughs> you know, they, they, they say, oh, turn your ad blocker off. You know, we're only trying to show you ads so we can pay the bills. And then, like you say, there's a hundred different trackers and all sorts of things going on, so... Uh... Yes, sucking my battery and everything. Exactly. Anyway, so, let's right. um let's let's move on from this before yeah, we, we get will. back we into will. ad blocking again. Um so we mentioned the Apple event, um and, and I think you you were more excited than I was uh about this event. Yeah, I was excited about it mainly because it was the first time I'd been covering an Apple event with Mac Story, so that was kind of fun. Um, and I can talk about that a little bit, I suppose. But I actually went to the Apple store yesterday and looked at all the new stuff and it's I mean it's pretty unremarkable when you get down to it. I mean, it the the iPad is it looks just like an iPad Air two. You can just use it with use a pencil. And I tried out that little keyboard, uh, which, yeah. I mean, I thought it would be unusable. I actually like the smart keyboard on the iPad Pro. Some people don't. Um, it's fine for me. Uh, this little one though, it, it works pretty well, but it it is cramped. It's hard. It's I found it hard to type on. I didn't try it for a long time, but. Um, it definitely would take some adjustment because the keys are just cl- enough closer together and shifted over that it. Um, I found myself hitting things that I wouldn't normally have hit on the other smart keyboard. Yeah, I mean, I imagine for the iPad Pro, it's it's more or less a full size keyboard, right? Like the kind of similar uh, yeah, thing that you get on a laptop. Yeah, no, it is. It's it's basically a full size keyboard, and this the on the you know nine point seven inch iPad, they have they mostly have shrunken down some of the. Um, uh, the modifier keys, that kind of thing, in order to keep the letter keys as as close to normal as possible. But they are smaller and closer together, even those keys. So, yeah, it sounds like it's. I mean, it's a hard problem to solve. But and I guess if people want a keyboard, then you know it, it's going to have to be smaller and a little bit more cramped. Yeah, I find the keyboard comes in handy. I mean, I haven't. I have tried a little bit. I, I'm not really tried a lot to just go pure software keyboard. Um, touch typing on that, I can. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll try it. So I, I have these thoughts of trying to teach myself to touch type on a, on a software keyboard. Then I think to myself, why? Because, <laughs> because I mean, I think it works um, if you, when you type, you look at your hands. But I learned to touch type so I can type with my eyes shut. And right. so, you know, having a, key, a real keyboard that I can feel makes a, a lot more sense for me. Sure. So, um one of the things they announced. Sorry, John, I didn't well, mean to interrupt you. No, there. No, Did no. you want to go or? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, they they announced. Well, they announced watch bands. 
They did. Um, yes, they did. And uh, lots of new colors all along. All, I guess cases, too, that, to match them. But all sorts of different leather, uh, floral elastomer, and nylon watch bands. And I know you were thinking about maybe picking up a nylon watch band soon, right? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be going to, uh, near the Apple Store probably next week. Uh, so I'm going to maybe try and pick up uh, probably the black black nylon one. Is that like black and gray kind of? Yeah, it's kind of black, but the you know the the woven part is I guess like a kind of light grayish. Um, so it's not yeah. kind of like pure black. Um, I do want to look at the pink one, but I th- I don't think that's gonna that's gonna cut it for me. Yeah, the one thing I'll say is I've been to the Apple Store a couple of times since the event, and um, those watch bands have sold out really fast. Because I was thinking about getting the there's kind of a royal blue plastic one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, after that talk I gave last Saturday, I was driving back and I had to go past the Apple store. So I stopped to see if they had it in, in stock and they didn't. At that time, all they had was they had the, the black Milanese loop, which I think looks pretty cool. But um, at $200, I don't think I'm willing to you know, pull the trigger on that. Um, and then they had, they may have had one or two of the plastic ones and then a couple of the nylon ones. I think they did have the black one, but most of the colors were were already sold out and when i went back yesterday to the store um they were still most of the most of the um, watch bands were out of stock yeah i imagine i think this is kind of going to just be a regular thing now like uh you know they'll just release a load of new bands i mean the sport bands they have so many colors now and as you say they've kind of released some matching silicon cases to go with those for the phones yeah Um, exactly i think we're probably just going to see this you know even if it's kind of just tacked on the end of of like you know even the wwdc keynote maybe um or you know the the october event i think they're just gonna kind of keep releasing them you know i think that's absolutely right i mean they and and you know i think it drive it drives some nerds crazy because it's not technology and it, it you know it's not making the 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 uh, apple watch better but i think people like it i mean i like it i've got a i've got like four watch bands now um and i like them all it's fun and, and i think some of them are starting to be retired right so they'll be collector's items i don't think they're making the orange one that i have anymore for instance oh okay i didn't know that actually i think i have the orange one as well so yeah that's interesting that they've um that they've retired some colors yeah they came out with a new orange it's a it's a little bit maybe a little brighter a little right a little more a little more yellow mm. And cool. it looks so, good. That's one. That's one that I saw when I was there the first week. That wasn't there yesterday, though. So yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, um, and then in terms of just you know like the the event coverage, it was fun. We just kind of split it all up in advance, and you know, thank goodness for nine to five Mac because we we wrote most of our stuff in advance, and then just then just fact checked it with the with the event itself. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's been pretty interesting that you, like to to go with what you just said there with nine to five Mac. I mean, they've been pretty much 100% accurate the last two or three uh, keynotes. Uh, I mean, I don't know whether they're getting their information from, you know, whether maybe it's directly from Apple, you know, and Apple are doing this on purpose and they want people to kind of know what's coming or or elsewhere. But yeah, it's kind of interesting that we, we kind of hit these events and we already know more or less everything that's coming. Yeah, for me, it was really easy too because I was just covering the betas. I did the, um, the Apple Watch and OS ten, and there weren't a ton of changes in there. So I did that over the weekend before the event and then um i picked up liam the robot the iphone disassembly robot on the fly so we you know what we did is we were all watching it um live and had our slack open and as things came up that were new that we hadn't anticipated we just kind of like you know grabbed them and peeled them off for you know one person take this one another person take that one so it worked out pretty well i think we ended up publishing like 14 articles 
Sure. So, um, yeah, there's a link uh, tagged March 21st, so I'll, uh, which shows all the articles that Mac Stories uh, did on that day, so we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, was there anything else from the Apple event you wanted to mention? Oh, yeah, there was. I forgot. almost forgot. The thing that I thought was the most interesting is the, um, the USB-C charger, because um, it is amazing what it does in terms of uh, charging up an iPad Pro. And what's interesting, too, is that this... Uh, the new iPad, the nine, the new iPad Pro, the nine point seven inch one, is not compatible with this charger. It's only the Pro, um, and you know Federico did some tests using a um, an app that I think Marco Armit had created for himself when he was testing out Overcast um, and tested charging with the one that the charger that comes in the box, which is fifteen watts, and then the twenty nine watt. Um, charger and the difference in charge times was pretty remarkable yeah some interesting graphs and uh and info in that article um i mean i, I assume you've you still got your ipad pro right i assume you're gonna go and pick up pick one of these up i already have one yes um and i it's funny it was one of the few times that uh federico was able to get something in italy before I, before i could get it here because we ordered almost simultaneously right after the event and uh and I got my I got my adapter brick first on like Friday or Thursday or Friday, but my cord didn't come until my cable didn't come until like the next Tuesday. <laughs> um, but Apple also made a mistake; they sent me two adapters instead of one. I only paid for one. Oh dear! Well, like a fifty dollars fifty dollar bonus because those things are not cheap. Because it's fifty dollars for that, and then I forget what the cable is. Maybe twenty dollars or something like that it's, it's it's a fairly expensive combo but if you look at these graphs um with the screen off the charge time went from 213 minutes to 93 minutes um and then some of the other things he tested like you know with the screen on and and with video playing and other things like that went anywhere from you know like with the screen at 100 percent brightness the 12 watt adapter took 732 minutes to charge um whereas the you know, the 29 watt charger was only 107 minutes. So, and it was very consistent no matter what activity was going on with the 12, with the 12 watt charger, you know, the times were varied quite a bit, but they were much longer with the, um, 29 watt charger. They were all in kind of the hundred to 110 minute range for the most part. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. So it makes a huge difference in terms of the amount of time. And this was, I think he was testing, get going from zero to 80% because that's what um, on Apple's battery page, they that's the the statistic which they um, which that they quote because once you get to eighty percent on all you know all devices, it's like a trickle a trickle charge afterwards. So yeah, sure. I mean, as you say, I mean, if if you're the kind of person if you've got your iPad Pro, it sounds like let's be honest, it sounds like this really should be in the box um, with the iPad yeah, Pro. Probably, yeah, I, it really should. I don't know if it's because. Because it's probably because of a couple things. It may not have been ready because I can't imagine why this wasn't introduced at the same time as the iPad Pro. So it undoubtedly wasn't ready, um, and it's significantly more expensive than the 12 watt one. So it may just be a, a margins thing too. Yeah, sure. So yeah, it was fun. Cool. Um, our next topic, John. Is, you you tweeted me, and you said, "Come on, Rob, you need to download this app." <laughs> and this is this is Nintendo's new app called Mi Tomo. Mi Tomo, yes, yes. It's it's a really strange app. It's uh, was it? It's it, it felt like a loading screen simulator. Um, it was just constant <laughs> loading screens for me. 
my phone actually gets pretty hot using it. I don't know. I mean, I think it's doing a lot of, um, it's downloading a lot of things over the internet. Yeah, it's definitely doing some, I mean, it, it, it took me maybe 15 minutes to get, even just to get into the app. Um, by the, by which point I'm already pretty pissed off and didn't really want to use it. Yeah, I haven't had too much trouble, but it's, I, you know, it's, it's really, it's very much not a typical iPhone app in terms of its look and feel. Like the design is very Nintendo, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So that in itself is kind of strange to see on your phone. But if you think of it as kind of a game, which it is really, I think, um, then it makes then you can give it a little more I at least I give it a little more leeway because in terms of the design because games there's no real design language for any particular game. I mean that's the one category that does their own thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean I think you know, maybe I just hit it at a bad time when the servers were slow or, or whatever, but I, I kind of, I, I finally managed to get through and, you know, set up my character and all this kind of stuff. And I tried it for maybe five, 10 minutes. And I, I just, I was just like, this is not for me. <laughs> I just deleted yes. it, unfortunately. Oh, you did? Because I went back and visited you again this morning. I, I, John, I couldn't even work out how to use it. I don't know what that means. Did you come to <laughs> where I live? Like in the, in the app? Is that you come and see me? <laughs> Basically, yes. You're in a right. room. <laughs> yes, I went to the you know there's like a friends tab and you can kind of scroll through your friends and so I, and then tap on them and visit them in their little in their little place that they live. Right. So I came and visited you and it was very clear that you had not been using the app because you didn't have much to say. No. I I, I, mean, I didn't know what to make of this job. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like a chat app, right? It's a little bit like it's a social network effectively. It, parts of it actually remind me of Peach. Remember Peach? Oh yeah. Because conversations are not like they are on Twitter where you've got one timeline and you just kind of scroll through everything. Um, if you're gone for a while and you go back and you look at like your recent messages, um, it's not really, it'll list like, um, it'll show anything, I think anything that you've seen or commented on, um, but you have to kind of go person by person or question by question to kind of see what other people have said in the thread. Which I think that's probably the weakest point of it. It's it's a little that's a little tedious, and I don't even bother. Yeah, um, but I do think it's kind of cool that what they do is pretty is kind of asynchronous. I mean, you don't have to, you know, if you get on it and your friends aren't there at the moment, it doesn't really matter. Like if you went on Twitter and no one you knew was tweeting at the time, you know, there wouldn't be much to do, right? Sure. Um, but on this, because you're answering these questions like, what's your favorite food? And, you know, uh, what did you do this today? That sort of thing. Those questions are all just kind of there in the database. And when someone goes, it presents it to the person using the app. Um, and you can just kind of tap through all those answers and comment on them and like them and all that kind of thing. It doesn't require that the person necessarily be active at that moment on, on Mitomo. Sure. Yeah, that, that, I, I did get as far as that, answering which my favorite food was. And I, th I think you commented back and said, "Yep, the same," because I'd said pizza or something. Um, <laughs> I kind I feel I feel like a ten year old when I said somebody goes, "What's your favorite food?" And I'm just like, "Pizza." <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nothing fancy, just just whatever pizza. I don't really care. Um, no, that's what I said too. But yeah, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think I can see the appeal of it. Um, I've leveled up, Rob. You've leveled. <laughs> Stop it. I have. I've leveled up. I've leveled up both my my style. I'm now a fashion, a, a boutique fashionista. I think. Well, there you go. Because I, I changed my clothes a bunch, and um, I also leveled up my friend level because I'm nice to people. Well, there you go. Yeah, that, that's probably where I, the app would fall down for me. Um. <laughs> 
Yes, every now and then you see someone uh, trying to be ironic on it, and it's, it's pretty funny because it's it's weird. It's a really strange app. Yeah, definitely. It did remind me of the um, what was the thing on the Wii where where all the all your little me characters would kind of wander around a little square and. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember what that's called. I don't know what um, that's called, I, but like it kind of, you know, because obviously it's built in the same kind of style and based on the same thing. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I never really used that. Um, but oh, and you know, you know who joined overnight was Frank. Yeah, I saw um, <laughs> Frank. Lo- Frank. Lo- Frank looks like he might have just gotten addicted to it because when I got up this morning, it was all it was wall to wall Frank. <laughs> oh dear. I don't see it and then it makes me look like I'm the one who do just I'm the weird one now because I'm the only one not doing it this is peer pressure at its worst um, <laughs> it is it really is um but it's it's it is it's kind of it's a little bit addictive once you get into it um and it's very strange and it's a little bit fun I don't know I don't know how, I, I'm not really sure I'm gonna stick with it that much although I did go back I what so what did it come out it came on Friday right uh yeah I think, I think so Thursday or Friday. I think it was Thursday, actually, now that I think of it. I think it was Thursday. Um, and I use it a lot on Thursday. Um, it's the kind of thing I can see myself using on the train just to kill time. Yeah, sure. When, I, when I'm completely brain dead, because uh, that's the kind of activity it is. I mean, it definitely um, sounds like it falls more into the category of a game than a social network. Um, yeah. It, in, in a lot of ways, kind of you know, answering questions and this kind of stuff. Although it has got a social aspect, it definitely feels more like a game. And it takes little pictures of you every now and then in your little in your outfits and shares them with people. It's just really weird. Um, and you get coins, and you can use the coins to buy, you know, clothes. Sure. Um, they're not coins that you buy with um, with real, you know, with real money. At least not yet. You earn them mm. by, by you earn them by being active in the app, basically doing things. Right. Um, I don't know. It's kind of cool. I you know I've only been on it like let's see like maybe yesterday I was on it for fifteen twenty minutes mm. maybe five or ten minutes when I got up this morning. Sure. Okay. Ha- well, have, uh, like, having, um, having breakfast and seeing if you would come back. I, I haven't, John. I probably won't. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so um, I mean, if people want to download it, they and um, they want to interact with me, then they're out of luck because I'm not downloading it again. But you're on there, John. So um, you know they can yeah, ask, already got ask every- you about food and all sorts of things yeah we've already covered everything i mean we've already said that you uh that you like pizza so i mean what else is there to look for oh, you exactly. did a good job your your me looked like you rob i thought it was a good one it was all right i thought i was i was pretty <laughs> impressed with it <laughs> thought you did a good job so um anyway i think let's let's leave that this is not the uh, me time right. show so um you got your your braggy dash which is oh such a terrible name these are the it little really wireless earbuds that you you ordered a while ago and we spoke about yeah i mean this it's been a little bit of a disaster um these, these are not good and i would not recommend them to anybody is kind of the bottom line um i got them because i thought it would be really cool to finally be totally wireless where you could just put a, an earbud in each ear uh and and not have any wires whatsoever because i've got you know i've got bluetooth headphones now but at a minimum most bluetooth headphones have a wire that goes behind your head to each ear um, and these don't have that at all. It's just like it's kind of like hearing aids, right? They just go right into your right into your ear. Yeah. Um, and I got a first of all, this was a Kickstarter that made like three point three million dollars, so it did really well. Um, and it was a typical hardware Kickstarter that was delayed 
months and months and months. I think maybe as long as a year. I don't even remember. I, I remember seeing it when it came out um, and thinking to myself, I'm not going to support this because this is one of those that's going to that's going to end badly. <laughs> and it, <laughs> and it kind of did. I mean, it eventually did. It did come out, um, but very delayed. And I got excited about it and ordered them um, right after they were shown off at CES. And, you know, I guess it's late January. Um, and they were supposed to ship, you know, within two or three weeks. Well, they didn't show up until the very end of March. Came last Saturday, I think. And I fired them up, and they, I, the initial experience was really good. They fit well. Um, the sound was decent. The reception was good with my phone. I didn't have a, trouble setting it up. Um, but I found that was, it turns out that was because I was inside in large measure because what, it, what they do is one ear, the right ear, uh, connects to your phone by Bluetooth, and then the left ear connects to the right ear by a hearing aid technology that I can never remember the name of that I wrote. Um, well, if you join Club Mac Stories, you can get the full details in the name of the technology because it was in the it was in the monthly newsletter, and I don't have that in front of me. But um, but yeah, it it so it connects to the left ear with some hearing aid technology, uh, and when you're indoors, the Bluetooth signals will bounce off your walls and help with the reception to the uh, to the headphones. So I went out, but that's not really where I'm going to use these. I, you know, these are for like walking to the train station, going out for a run, that kind of thing. So I did that. I was going to write about them. So I went and went for a run last Sunday with the men. And the minute I walked out the door, the audio started dropping out because I didn't have anything to bounce off of. Um, my phone was in my left pocket. And I remember reading somewhere in the comments that the that the Bluetooth was in the right earbud. So I moved my phone from my left pocket to the right pocket. And then it worked, which to me, that was a really bad sign because um, it really shouldn't make, to me, it shouldn't make that much difference which pocket you have your phone in. I mean, we're still only talking about, you know, I know it has to go through your body and everything, but we're only talking about a couple of feet of distance here. Um, So I put it in the right-hand pocket, went for a run, and it was a lot better then. Uh, It tended to drop out a lot when I got to intersections with traffic signals because I think there was some sort of uh, radio waves coming off of the equipment. Right. That was interfering with the um with the Bluetooth. Um but the and then I tried this thing called they have this um audio transparency where you can swipe on one of the earbuds because they have touch sensors in the lower half of the earbuds to kind of navigate the various features. And swiped on there and you can it has a microphone in it, so it suddenly will pick up the background um around you. So you can hear, you know, people talking to you or whatever. But it was really weird because it's no longer directional. I was listening to a pod, I was listening to Hello Internet, and it sounded like everything around me was happening in the podcast. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, okay. Because it, it wasn't coming. It wasn't like the sound of a car that was coming down the the road from my left was coming from my left. It was like it was coming through both ears. Um, right in front of me, like, like, you know, when you're listening to a podcast. So it was very, very strange sensation to have your, the, you know, the real world around you overlaid onto people talking. Um, but it worked pretty well. Um, but it also has stuff and it has like four gigabytes of onboard storage. So you can go out without even bringing your phone. If you want to listen to music, it's got uh step counter and, and, um, heart rate, functions to track your heart rate and the heart rate functions didn't work at all. 
Uh, they were re- <laughs> the readings were incredibly low compared to my watch, and then they never changed. And then I had a very hard time accessing them because the uh, the controls on the earbuds are very fiddly, uh, which is not something you want when you're out running to have to stop and figure out get it all just right and swipe and tap and all that stuff just the right way to, on the side of your head. So. Um, the bottom line is they kind of suck and I'm returning them. And now I'm having trouble returning them because they won't respond to me. They, it's one of those, send us an email and say, you want to return them and we'll send you, you know, return information. Um, and they're not responding. So hopefully I'll get that squared away soon. Yeah. So it sounds, I mean, like you say, you kind of refer to them as a typical kick hardware Kickstarter and it kind of sounds like they've really, you know, rounded that off by actually not being a particularly good product at the end of it either. Um, yeah. You know, I think it has a lot of promise and I think it'll get the technology will get there eventually. But, and one thing that's really clever is they've got this little storage case where you put the earbuds in that, you know, they, it holds them in place magnetically and the case itself holds a charge. So you can put them in the case and it'll, it'll charge them up like two or three times. Um, just from the case, which I think is a really clever thing that they did. But the problem I have is that, the, and I could forgive some of the, you know, the extra features perhaps mm. not working particularly well, but, but the fact that you know, it's the fact that if I want to use these while I'm walking down to the train, I need to make sure that my phone is either in my right hand or in my right pocket, not on my left pocket kind of defeats the whole purpose of, you know, the liberation you get from having Bluetooth headphones. Yeah, sure. I think, as you say, it sounds like it's a good first start and a good first product for this kind of category of, you know, Bluetooth, proper Bluetooth earbuds, um, you know, without any wires. And, you know, I agree with you. I think that is an ideal scenario. You've just got the two little earbuds, you plug them in, you know, off you go. But I, I think it, it sounds like maybe, you know, their their Bluetooth tech is not ideal in the you know in the earbud because i mean normal bluetooth headphones tend to work across that distance um but i guess it again it depends where the receiver is but you know i mean this kind of thing i think you know in five years this is probably going to be great um but, yeah. but right now this is it, it sounds like these really just don't don't meet the standards that that are kind of usable right now i suspect they have a teeny tiny antenna and that's the problem part of the problem they have i mean the ones with the cord behind your behind your head probably the cord is acting as an antenna as well um and making it easier i mean so that's the you know that's what i'm balancing this against is you know these braggy dash headphones are 300 dollars um whereas i've got a pair of plantronics um ear uh you know bluetooth headphones that were only 78 on amazon so um and they're reliable and they seem to be fairly sturdy so um definitely not worth going more than you know four times that that price yeah, sure. Um, okay, I think that's that's probably about it for uh, for uh, you know saying what's bad about these. Uh, they sound promising, <laughs> but yeah, let's. Uh, <laughs> um, Twitter did something that's not completely terrible like usual. Um, actually, like useful to people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what was that that they did? Yeah, so they've added. Um, essentially, it's the ability to add alt text to to images um and this is great for um people who use screen readers um and you know on ios voiceover things like that um kind of anyone who's visually impaired things like that so this will this allows you to add basically a description of an image 
um, when you upload it to Twitter. Um, and and before we we spoke, before we started recording, we were speaking, and I checked, and right now Twitter don't put anything in the in the alt tag uh, when you upload an image, which is just terrible for accessibility. Um, it's yeah. really not good because uh, a, a screen reader will just hit that and won't be able to give a description for that image at all. Um, yeah. So this would a screen read, but would they would a screen reader be able to read the um, the text of the tweet still? Uh, yeah. So it, it, I guess it would. Um, I mean, I think that might have to be specific to Twitter. Um, so the way a screen reader normally works, it will find an image um, and it will read the alt text and describe that image based on that that alt text, which is the description that that Twitter are allowing you to add now. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it would have presumably read the tweet before it hits the image. Um, but you know, yeah. not having an alt text there is is really bad for for accessibility. Yeah, it's kind of funny in the announcement they made it sound like they had invented this or something. Oh sure, I know. I mean, this is this is something that probably should have been there for a, for a long time. Right. Yeah, no, I t- I tested it out because I thought it would be kind of um, you know one of the things that people you know do on Twitter with some frequency is do text shots to get around the 140 character limit. Um, and this alt tag that they've enabled on Twitter allows for text, I think it's f- uh, 420 characters, three times the length of a tweet. Sure. So, so um, now text shots are a little more accessible. And so I, I tested it out and it works, it works great. Um, you know, I took a text shot of a paragraph of an article on the web and then pasted in the text as the description and, and turned on accessibility and it worked really well. Sure. I mean, that, I mean, text shots are a perfect example of that. And you know, even for somebody like me, who's not using a screen reader or something like that, sometimes I want to be able to copy the text from something that somebody's tweeted in a text shot. And obviously I can't do that very easily without going to the article and finding that particular section. Um, That's true. You know, How so would you are, do that with, how would you do that with this? Just you'd have to open the developer tools, wouldn't you? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to inspect inspect the element and, and find the alt tag. But you know, the the point is that should always be there. I think I, I've never really been a fan of text in images. Um, I mean, I understand why it happens on Twitter, um, just because of the you know the short short length of a tweet. But it, it's just not good for you know, the good example is obviously visually impaired using. Um, you know, screen readers, but actually, just in general, like I think text should be text, and I should be able to copy it. And and of course, text shots really don't allow you to do that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I I did a little video um, that you can check out online. Um, I'm a YouTuber now, apparently. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> de- demonstrating this fe- demonstrating this feature. So we'll have a link in the show notes. So um, so t- t- talking to YouTube. Um, <laughs> this is uh. One of the places that you probably shouldn't read the comments. Um, and yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, so uh, I, I had a little bit of experience with this this week, uh, or I guess the beginning of the week. Um, it, not specific to YouTube, but it, it kind of just reminded me about the comments on YouTube, which seemed to be the worst on the internet. Um, so I I launched a site uh, I guess last weekend because uh, we had a we had a long weekend here in the UK. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was a four day weekend, and I just thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I've had this idea for a while, and I just sat down. Um, and got it launched, and it's a guide to uh, Bricklink.com, which is a uh, a marketplace for buying and selling Lego, basically um, sets and spare pieces and things like that. Um, and the site's about fifteen years old, and the interface really hasn't changed very much in that fifteen years. 
um, and it can be pretty complicated to use when they use it and stuff like that. So I kind of wrote this guide to uh, to, to buying on there. Um, you know, and the, the reaction was was pretty good. Um, and a few sites, few Lego fan sites, kind of picked it up and wrote about it. And then I started reading the comments on these news articles. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's never a good idea. Uh, this, yeah, <laughs> these are comments on the other sites, not on your site, because you, you've got the comments shut off, right? Oh, sure, yeah. I, ne- I never have comments on, on my sites. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not do, worth it. It was the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of more this attitude on the internet of everything should be free and made exactly for for me, not me personally, but you know the person who's reading it or looking at something. Um, and there's, you know, there was one guy that was like, he found like two spelling mistakes on, on one of the pages, and it was just like, this is this is absolutely terrible. I can't possibly use this site because of these ridiculous spelling mistakes. Um, I mean, <laughs> do, do you know what? I've given you something for free. This is not costing you anything. Just get over it, or send me an email and tell me that there's these spelling mistakes because. It took me ages to find what the hell he was talking about. Um, oh, oh yeah, he didn't even pinpoint for you where they were, right? Oh, no, and even when I... He said, oh, if you really want to know, you can message me. So I messaged him, and he went, oh, I don't have time to tell you where they all are. <laughs> so forget it. I just <laughs> I just shouldn't have even bothered messaging him. Um, but yeah, I just... It, it was just one of those things where I was kind of getting a bit frustrated, and I was like, this is why you don't read the comments for anything. Yeah. So how did you, where'd you get the ads from? Did you um, do a deal with the minifig store um, in the UK? Is that, I mean, that's what the ads I'm seeing here. Uh, yeah, sure. No, they have a, uh, they have an affiliate scheme. Um, oh, okay. So I know have, about those. Yeah. <laughs> you're the expert. Um, yeah. So they just have an affiliate. Uh, there's just an affiliate uh, parameter on the end of that URL. Um, uh-huh. You know, they keep track of that. So um, I, I have got another site where I run uh, Google AdSense ads but uh for this site i kind of wanted to make sure it was pretty specific to the audience i was getting um, yeah it and, makes sense you know and the minifig store are great i've ordered from them before um the, the guy who runs it's a really nice guy is really helpful um so i figured that might be a good start to you know maybe just try and see if i can make some money off of it so yeah no i'm sure people gave you a hard time about that too right <laughs> yeah people always do but it, it's fine i just <laughs> I can I can live with it. Uh, you know, they're, no, they're, this is... they're not they're not intrusive ads either. They're, there's no tracking no. going on on my end. Um, you know, it's just just cookie tracking on the on the store. Um, they're not loaded with JavaScript. They're just normal images. There's nothing fancy going on. So, um, right. you know, it's not causing a huge amount of problems or anything like that. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, hey, I'm all for making money. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, you went to all this trouble. I mean, this is actually, I was looking through this and it's, it, it makes it a lot more, a lot easier to use BrickLink because you and I were talking before we started about like uh, prices on some Legos. Lego, sorry. Sorry, right, I let you off. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, you're right. I mean, it, it was, you have to, some of the stuff is kind of buried on the on the site. So it's helpful to have a guide. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think there's a couple of problems with the site. I mean, one is that it's old, so it's it's kind of and because the UI hasn't been updated for so long, it's it's kind of it looks a bit dated. Um, yeah. But I think that the biggest problem they've got. I mean, you're looking at I don't know how many Lego sets have been released, um, you know, over the right. kind of forty years or whatever. But because it's a catalog of pieces that Lego have made as well, it looks like three million pieces or something. Um, wow, you know, unique pieces. They've got something like nine thousand different sellers on there. 
Um, you know, there's there's just a lot of data um, going on, and I think it's it's a difficult problem to solve um, to kind yeah, of make I it think, pretty usable. Yeah, it's definitely a hard design problem. But I'm like looking at it right now because you sent me a link to this um, Batmobile, and they've got you know they've got a whole series. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. They've got 13 tabs across the top, and then just the catalog tab alone then has 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 more tabs, right? Sure. And, you sc- and then you scroll down the, down the page to where, to where the price guide is, and there's the price guide, um, but there's also items for sale and set inventory, so there's three tabs there. I mean, this, this is a really, um, there's a lot of information, a lot of things going on in this website. Sure, and they they do have a lot of um, kind of duplicate functionality, um, so mm-hmm. you can get to like this page you're on now with the you know with the yep. catalog and stuff like that. You can kind of get to that from about four different places. So you've got kind of search, or you can browse the catalog. Um, you know, there's a few different places you can get to it. And I kind of noticed this as I was writing the the site that a lot of their tabs in different places are actually the same kind of functionality, but they're just named something slightly different. Um, oh yeah. So I think that's probably a little bit of of, of their problem as well. Um, so yeah, but I mean, you know, the site's been pretty popular, and and you know, most people have been nice about it. It was just a few people. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, you get people. I don't know. People people can be terrible. <laughs> Believe me, I've I've started to find that out already. Uh, the more I'm online, the more I'm doing the writing and stuff. Although most people have been really good, but uh, every now and then you get those people who just want to tell you. I'll tell you one thing that's the worst thing to write so far is when you do a roundup of a whole bunch of different apps because then you get the people come out of the word work. Why didn't you, why didn't you cover X? Sure. Yeah. That's... I like to, I, I like to respond to them and say, I did consider it X and I didn't do it because it sucks. <laughs> I'm usually more polite than that, but yes. Yeah. That was actually one of the, 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 the most common comment I got because the site only, only covers buying on Bricklink, not selling, because you can obviously set up as a seller and sell right. like So it only covers buying. And the amount of people that just said, well, this is useless to me. I want to know how to sell on Bricklink. Well, do you know what? Go learn how to do it and you write your own site. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not the point. And if you if you covered everything in the detail that Bricklink covers it, all you would have done then is duplicate Bricklink. Bricklink. Exactly. So... Uh, <laughs> It would be just as confusing and, and complicated. Well, that was actually one of the hardest parts of it. I kind of, because I'd been putting it off for a while. You know what it's like. You have these ideas and you're like, oh, well, before I start writing it, I really should do this or do that. And I, I decided to just write everything. And then I'd worry about the site later. Um, yeah. And I was, once I'd written everything, I was cutting and pasting. I'm like, right, just which section should these all go in? Because it's kind of, although there's like 11 or 12 articles on there, uh, they're kind of all related um you know you could kind right. of go through them all in one go so i was kind of trying to find out the best way to kind of split them up without making it too complicated yep so yep no i like i like what you did I, i'm definitely going to check this out um because now we we're thinking about selling i mean i know you, your guide doesn't cover selling but um it's a good introduction to how bricklink works which i haven't really ever used so i think i'll i'll start with your guide um so is there anything else john uh, before we before we wrap it up, yeah the one the one other thing I thought I'd mention is one of our listeners, Chris Morrissey, has an app called called Agenda Minder coming out on Monday. Um, look for a a little bit little mini review on Mac Stories about it. Um, it's it's an app for 
kind of getting ready for and making um, making meetings more productive by coming up with agendas and assigning them to people and um, and and having a game plan when you go into a meeting. And it's a it's a cool little app, and it's going to be on the Mac App Store on Monday. Uh, if if Chris can solve meetings not being a complete waste of everybody's time then uh, I, th- I think he's really onto something <laughs> i know i thought that actually was kind of the definition of a meeting and what and, and actually the purpose of a meeting was to waste people's time but apparently <laughs> some people are doing it right and chris is helping them do that so that's that i i commend him for that sure yeah it's um so yeah as you say it'll be there'll be a little mini review on on mac stories and we'll make sure that's in the show notes by the by the time the show comes out probably um but if not um, i'll make sure yeah. it's I'll make sure it gets put there as soon as the article's available. Yeah, I'm not sure when it's going to go up, but we'll, we'll see. I have to write it first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. We'll, um, if, if it's not there when you're listening to this, um, check back in at, in a day, and I'm sure it'll, it'll be in the show notes by then. Yep, yep. Cool. Okay, I guess we'll uh, let's wrap it up for this week, I think. Sounds good to me. So uh, show notes are at ruminatepodcast.com slash 17. Uh, I am on Twitter. I'm at RM Lewis UK. And John, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at John Voorhees. Perfect. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. All right. Great. See you later, Rob. Bye.